Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading this morning is taken from Romans chapter 5, reading from verses 1 to 11. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we, shall we be saved by God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Stella. Uh, Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you here. Um, If half-term is a thing for you, I hope you've had uh, a bit of a rest. Wonderful to have you as well if you're joining us on the live stream this morning. Now, I wonder what your best and worst experiences of welcome have been. What is the moment when you have felt most welcomed and the moment when you felt least welcomed? Think about those two experiences. And I want you to think further. What was it about those two welcomes that made them, whatever it was, either good or or bad or non-existent? I'll tell you mine. Uh, for me, my, my worst welcome was at a border checkpoint in Berlin in 1988. Uh, we were traveling as a family from West Berlin to East Berlin to, to see some relatives. And we were in this windowless room underground. Uh, there was that usual queue line, absolutely miles from the desk, where you sort of have to stand and look a bit silly. Um, and then there was a sort of puke green enclosed corridor that you had to walk into where the, where the counter was. 
And it was really, really high, so my, my seven-year-old little uh, head couldn't see over it. And I, basically, I couldn't see anything. I was in this tiny little corridor. And the only interaction I got with the border guard was by, look, by craning very uncomfortably up. And I could see this thin mirror through which I could see uh, his chin and hear him sort of gruffly every now and again, uh, basically communicating, we really don't want you in here. Um, it is a very helpful memory, actually, uh, particularly when we look at all these people who want to come into our country and feel they can't. I know what it feels like. That was my worst welcome. My best welcome. My best welcome. Okay, and honestly, this is really what actually came to mind. I am not just trying to curry favor inappropriately. This is what comes to my mind. My mother-in-law, when I first met her. Don't judge me. Don't judge me for mentioning this. I admit public praise of my mother-in-law may help me long term. But it really is what came to my mind. When I first um, uh, met Emily, I, I came around to her house. Emily was not there for some reason. And it was potentially quite awkward. I was 15, you know, long and gangly, not really able to converse. Um, but my future mother-in-law, she just sat me down and she, she just made it easy. She spoke to me. She took an interest uh, in my life. She seemed to know exactly what to say. And it just, you know, the, the time passed by. It was absolutely wonderful. And I remember leaving and thinking, that's just such a lovely household to be in. Um, I, I feel like I really matter uh, when I'm there. That was a great welcome. Remember those two experiences, whether they're mine or yours. Because we're beginning a new series today, uh, which we're calling Transforming Welcome. Over the next four weeks or so, we've got a break for remembrance in the middle. Uh, we're going to be thinking about welcome. And when I say welcome, I mean it in the very broadest sense. So we will include how we think about welcoming newcomers to our church. But, but it, it's really how we move out towards one another in general uh, in welcome. Whether we've just met or actually whether we've kind of clocked each other across the church for 40 years but never, never taken it any further. And it will include what we do at the door, as it were. Uh, on a Sunday morning, but, but it's really much more broadly just about a whole attitude and a culture in our church in which we, we welcome one another all the time in every dimension of our lives. Now, as Christians, we think about welcome. Where do we start? Well, Romans 15 verse 7 is a great place. It says this, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. In other words, God's welcome of us is our model, it's our pattern. So we're going to begin this week, uh, and next we're going to look at the welcome that God offers us in Christ. This week is entitled, Welcome as You Are. Next week, Welcome to Change. We're focusing on both the unconditional love of God, but then also the transforming love of God, how that should shape us as a church. And then after remembrance, we're going to have two more thinking about welcome to the nations, thinking about that, how we welcome one another across cultural and social differences. And then finally, welcome to the family. We're thinking very practically about how we take that welcome uh, deeper into, into really meaningful, intimate relationships that are shaped by the Lord Jesus. Just before I crack on, you may be wondering, why, why, why are we doing this right now? Uh, I mean, in a sense, there's never a bad time for a church to think about welcome. But I think there are some circumstances that make it particularly appropriate for us to do so right now. And there's a bit of a list here, but I'm going to go for it because I think it's worth saying. Number one, we are a large church. I love large churches. It's fantastic. There is one thing that large churches don't do particularly well unless you try really, really hard. And that is a personal welcome. 
Number two, we're coming out of the upheaval of the pandemic, in which basically the law said you may not welcome one another in the way that you normally do. So we, we've got some relearning to do. That's true for all of us. Number three, uh, perhaps also thanks to COVID, we've had loads of newcomers come and join us over recent weeks. And by the way, if you're new, it's lovely to have you with us today. Please stick around afterwards and, and, and perhaps we can meet you further. Number four, we've had those, you remember some time ago, those conversations about race. We've had uh, the current opportunities really rising to the fore about uh, how we offer welcome to migrants coming to the UK, whether that's Afghanistan or Hong Kong or, or other places. We've got changing demographics right on our, on our front doorstep here. We really need to keep talking about cross-cultural welcome. And that's not just something that you flick your fingers and it happens. And then number five, this is a church, and I, I've really seen this as I've come here, full of amazing, extraordinarily long-lasting relationships. People have known one another for a really long time. That's a great blessing. But, you know, that is an extra challenge for us because those really long-lasting relationships, they're just a bit harder to open up to invite someone new in. And so it's a good moment for us to be thinking how we welcome. And I'm, I'm praying, and please do join me in this, that through this we kind of grow together in our, in our relationships with one another as a church, but also that we sort of see afresh, and I know that many are great at this already, this huge privilege of welcoming uh, one another, whether it's old friends or new people. So today, uh, welcome as you are. Welcome as you are. And I want to open with uh, those famous verses we just had read from Romans that talk about our relationship with God and how, how God welcomes us. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It talks about having peace with God. That's what it is to be a Christian, to have peace with God, to be reconciled with him, to be on really good, open terms. It also says it means to have access uh, to his grace, to his goodwill. In other words, to be a Christian is to be welcomed by God. But as you read on those verses in, in Romans 5, you recognize this welcome is not a trivial matter. Friendship with God is not, is not an obvious thing. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 goes on. It says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So the extraordinary good news of the Christian faith is that God welcomes the ungodly. Now, that, that is not, that's not intuitive, actually. That's not obvious. Particularly for us, as just in our kind of human way of thinking. And Paul goes on to make that point very well. And we'll come to that in just a second. But given that we're going to base our welcome on God's welcome, I just I want to dwell on God's welcome for us for a moment. Let's just consider briefly three aspects of it. Number one, first of all, it's a welcome at great cost. Paul writes that Christ died for us. So this is basic Christian theology, but it's so important. We deserve judgment for our sin. Death, in fact, is the wages of sin. That's how Paul puts it in Romans. But Christ went through that judgment for us. God made him a curse, it says. That's what happened when the innocent Son of God hung on a criminal's cross. 
he, he died at huge cost for us. So, so God's welcome to us is actually deeply costly for him. Second, God's welcome is for us despite our unworthiness. It comes to us despite our unworthiness. It says Christ died for sinners. Christ died for sinners. Now this is not a normal way of, of behaving. Paul, who, who wrote this letter, he begins to explain it in just those terms. He says this, look, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what Paul's saying is, look, people do make sacrifices. that They will even actually give their lives for a really noble cause or perhaps someone they really honor, someone really impressive. But the really extraordinary thing about God's welcome is that Christ died for sinners. He died to accept people who reject him. So in Christ, we, the kind of welcome that we have is a welcome that we don't deserve. Now, I think for us as modern Westerners, that's quite hard to get our heads around. In fact, we might even bristle a little bit at that, that talk of unworthiness or something like that. We have been taught to say unflinchingly, we're the ladies from L'Oreal, have we not? Because I'm worth it. Okay, and, and here's the thing, from the Christian perspective, that's not entirely wrong. We do have great worth. But alongside our great worth, the gospel speaks of our unworthiness as well. Now, how are we to think about that? Well, perhaps imagine this. Imagine a really beautiful ancient uh, jar, clay jar, smashed into hundreds of pieces and discarded on a rubbish dump. Now, as you imagine that, Hopefully, the picture evokes some kind of sadness or, or regret. It was this thing of beauty, and, and uh, now it cannot be used as it was intended. It's ruined. It's, it's good for nothing as it is in all those pieces. But then, imagine a really skilled uh, pottery restorer comes along. And she sees this jar, and uh, because she's so skilled, she's got the eye, she sees its value. She's not particularly interested in the shreds of plastic next to it. She sees the jar. That's something really worthwhile. Um, but she recognizes, as it is, just clump, you know, a load of crumbs of clay. That's not, that's not worthy of anyone's mantelpiece right now. But she has got the unique gifts required to, to take those scattered pieces and pick them up and painstakingly put them back together again to make it all whole again. Well, that's what it's like. We are like once beautiful, broken clay jars. We, we have great worth, but also, just in our natural state, we, we are unworthy. And to understand that our welcome is despite our unworthiness is actually a wonderful thing to recognize. Because what it means is, God doesn't accept you on the basis of what you can contribute. So the day that you fail, the day that you don't quite make it, you realize, actually, God never accepted me in the first place. He never welcomed me because I made it. So the day that I don't make it, it doesn't make any difference. Now, why, why would God do that? Why would God welcome the unworthy? Well, that brings us to the third point. It's, it's a welcome born out of love. 
God demonstrates his own love for us in this. What was God's love like? Here it is, right here. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love. It's very hard, isn't it, to talk about God's love, to grasp the full extent. But here in the gospel, this is, this is the picture we've been given. I think perhaps the closest that we can, we can get to this um, is, is the love of a, of a parent for their child. If you're a parent, you've been around the block a couple of times, uh, you will probably have had that moment when um, your child, in absolute exasperation, says to you, I hate you. Um, or if you've been a child, which all of you have, you, perhaps you've said it. Um, now, what happens at that moment? Well, faltering and failing though we are as parents, we, we often, by God's grace, find it in ourselves, even at those moments, just to give them a hug, to, to, to hold them, simply because we love them. Because our love is so much more powerful and so much deeper even than their passing rebellion at that moment. Well, that is a tiny, tiny reflection, a pale, small reflection some, of some corner of God's vast love. He welcomes us out of love. So it's a costly, it's an undeserved, it's a love-driven welcome that God gives. Now, we're going to try and apply that in a moment to our welcome. But just before we do, I, I, I'd love to ask you this morning, do you, do you know about that welcome for yourself um, because I, basically, I want, I, if you don't yet, ignore everything else I'm going to say after this and just, just focus on this. God's welcome for us is absolutely transforming, and we need to accept it for ourselves. And this is what, this is what that welcome is. It's not, I am fine and God loves me. It's not that. It's not, I am a sinner and God is done with me. It's not that either. It's, I am a sinner, and Christ died for me. That is God's welcome. And let me say, if you're still unsure about it, that, you need to accept that. Okay, so uh, perhaps today is the day for you. Perhaps you, you, you can see the cost that it cost Jesus on, on the cross. Yeah, you, you're, you're willing to acknowledge, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I am unworthy of God's love. I turn away from him again and again and again. And I want to accept his unstoppable love. That is the best thing you could do right now if you have not done it yet. I'd love to speak to you more about that afterwards. But what about our welcome? What about our welcome? Let's just take those three things uh, in, in reverse order, very practically. Our welcome to one another, if it's to mirror Christ's welcome, is to be born out of love. Our welcome is to be born out of love. So, um, whether we're speaking to complete newcomers or, or, or the person that we used to know and we've been estranged for, for many years or the person that we've never got past the football and the weather with, we are to welcome one another out of love. Now, love means coming out of ourselves and really into the world of the person in front of us. Basic first thing, that means seeing a person. Do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes it's the greatest step that we can just do is to actually see someone. You know the person that you have caught out of the corner of your eye for 10 years now, and you have never looked them in the face. Welcoming them means looking them right in the eye. That's, that's a great first start. Um, and it means beyond that, of course, taking an interest. Taking an interest. We have, 
We have a church right here full of just amazing life stories. All those people that you don't yet know, they have wonderful testimonies, whole colorful lives that you could come to know and discover. Absolutely wonderful. To do that, you have to go out of where you are and go into their lives and ask about it. Ask about their, their, their testimony, their history, their, their past. Now, of course, love is much more than that as well. It, it takes all sorts of different shapes. Um, sometimes it just takes spending time together. Sometimes it's about giving a gift. Uh, sometimes it's about words of affirmation or a hug or a helping hand. If you're not sure how to love someone, a really great way forward is you can ask them. Um, and if that's too scary, then you can look around. Because there are all sorts of wonderful people in this church who are brilliant at loving others. Um, and I know I learn from them. Just look at them, watch what they do, and then copy it. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if this whole church, I'm not just talking about the poor people who have the job on the door on a Sunday, the whole church, every single one of us, was just full of love for one another and for anyone new who came in. We saw, saw someone who went, that, I want to love that person. This is someone precious in God's sight who I would love to discover more about. So that's the first, a welcome born out of love. The second one is, is that we are to welcome unconditionally. Our welcome to one another is to be unconditional, like, like Jesus welcomes us. Um, so we welcome people regardless of whether they deserve that welcome uh, or not. I don't know whether you ever have that, had this uh, situation. I'm sure you haven't because you're so, all so lovely and you know, good at talking to each other. But sometimes you speak to someone and they're just not very nice. Okay? <laughs> they're just quite difficult to engage in conversation or they just say something. And then you think, oh, well, I'm not going to do that again. You know, they don't deserve to have me make the effort. Well, we welcome unconditionally. Whether or not we get anything in, in return. Perhaps a person has very significant needs, which means they're just never going to ha- really have the capacity to give a great deal back. We're still going to love them. Um, and, and actually, it's a great privilege to extend that kind of unconditional love, welcome that Christ does when we get nothing back, because that's how Christ himself welcomes us. So it's a welcome born out of love, a welcome that is unconditional, and finally, a welcome even when it's costly. Um, one of the most powerful testimonies of the power of Christ at work in a church, and I've seen this so much here as well, is the willingness of so many people to make sacrifices for others. I've seen people give up their leisure time, time with their own friends, so that they could spend time with a stranger. Um, I've seen people who, who, were, who were quite prepared to experience a bit of social discomfort just to be with someone else, just someone new or, or someone who might be a bit difficult, even if it would have been easier not to do that. Perhaps the cost comes in providing food or hospitality. We've got amazing hospitality givers in this church. Uh, I love the way that we've been thinking as a church about how we cross our, our cultural uh, boundaries. Perhaps the cost is in working out, well, what's actually going to be something nice that I can do with these people who are from a different culture from me? Perhaps it's not exactly the same thing that they want that we do. Perhaps the cost is in absorbing our differences with, with someone. Perhaps we're not in the same place, and we're just going to set that aside and still relate to one another. I had a lovely lady at my last church who, 
this really stuck with me. I, I remember asking her, please, could you come and serve on this rotor or whatever? And she said, I could. I do have the time. But I actually deliberately set aside time in my week to be able to serve people who have needs that might come up. So love, in her case, looked like saying no so that she was available. And, you know, for all of us, that's quite challenging, isn't it, in our culture to say no. Now, there's so much more that we could say. Love, just like listening for the person's name, and it's a name that is not from your culture, and therefore you can't, you didn't get it the first time, so you're now going to make an effort and go home and work out how you say it, so the next time you meet them, you actually pronounce their name properly. We could think of a million times how, how love would work. I guess what I'm banking on is not so much being able to give you all the detail, because many of you are much better than I am, but the motivation. Ultimately, it comes back to the welcome that God has given us. If you, are, if you have been grabbed by the, the welcome of the Lord Jesus, you have what it takes to welcome others. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, just before I finish, I just want to say two more things. The only problem with talking about welcome like this is that sometimes you get to the end and you're like, oh, <laughs> that is so exhausting. All that welcoming that I need to do. And Lord, I already know I'm going to fail. And actually, I've forgotten that person's name and I really want to go and say hello to them. But now I don't know what to do about it. The first thing is remember God's welcome to you. God is welcoming to us even when we fail at welcoming others. He still loves us. Even if we do a rubbish job of welcoming others. I'm not recommending that, but he still welcomes us. And the final thing to remember is, even as we want to welcome others, and we're going to do our best, we're going to get it wrong every now and again. But the wonderful thing is, ultimately, the people we want to introduce others to is not ourselves, but the unending love of the Lord Jesus. And he never fails in his welcome. He is always welcoming to us. So then, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing and generous welcome to us in Christ. We pray that you would enable us to welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed us. For the glory of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.